Welcome back to another week of In The Abyss Metal Podcast. Uh, this is now week 11, so we're firmly into double figures. Um, thank you all for uh, for listening every week. Um, I want to quickly welcome Belgium to the party, so yet more more international listeners for us. Um, anybody who's spreading the word and those who retweet for us and post on social media about us, you know, I, I can't thank I can't thank everybody enough because it's uh, it's helping us get bigger and bigger and you know eventual world domination. So yeah, cheers for that. Um, this week, uh, as per usual, it's me, it's Padre, it's Ant. Um, we'll go through some of the usual stuff that we normally do, the usual nonsense. And we're also joined by uh, bass player Bones from. British metal band Tailgunner. Um, anyone who's not familiar with Tailgunner, uh, I suggest you get on board as quick as possible because they're going to be fucking massive. Um, we'll stick two or three of their songs on the weekly playlist for this week so you can have a listen uh, and I'll put all their links in the um, in the podcast bio as well so you can uh, go and check them out, buy their shirts, go see them on tour, all of that stuff, but just make sure you do. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to ramble on anymore. You know where to get in touch with us. Um, one, actually, one other thing: um, festival season kicks off this week. Uh, it's download this weekend. It's also Sweden Rock Festival. If anybody has been to either of those festivals this weekend um, and you want to come and tell us what it was and you know the ups, the downs, and you know first proper download back since 2019, so it'd be good to hear people's people's thoughts on it, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly kind of thing. So. Get in touch with us on the socials or via email. All the links are in the playlist and the podcast bio. Um, yeah, get in touch and come tell us all about it. So, yeah, without further ado, we'll, we'll crack on. Um, Bones from Tailgunner will be joining us a little bit later through the podcast. Um, but up until that point, it'll just be three idiots as normal. Talking mostly shit. But if, you eat, if you eat ginger cake, surely that will turn you ginger one and therefore you'll have no soul. My hair's falling out at this point anyway, so... So, hang on. Are we talking like McVissie's Jamaica ginger cake? Yeah. Or do you make it yourself? No, McVissie's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time to bake cake. Cake elitism. Oh, dear. No, there's nothing wrong with it, but, you know, you know, if you make your own ginger cake, it's like, it's like teaching a man how to fish. Oh, I've got time. I've got, I've got... Well, it doesn't take that fucking long. Oh, haven't, you just, haven't you just had a week off? Yeah, I've been trying to get some fucking artwork finished for me, mate. So, and other bits and pieces. Yeah, all right. Anyway, enough talk about ginger cake. Um, yeah, that's just fucking crack straight on. Padre, in your crazy busy week this week in sweaty, hot, ridiculous temperatures, what have you been listening to? Um, just, just a few things. Um, came across this band called Maze of Terror. With the, the song's called Priest of the Ancient Ones. Pretty good. Um, I need Maze to go and check. Maze of Terror. It. Yeah, Maze of Terror, and the song is called "Priest of the Ancient Ones." Not bad. That's another one called um, another band called um, Prestige. Um, yeah. Two songs by there: Innocent and then Burn My Eyes. It's just stuff that I've come across from Spotify and uh, on the internet too. I used to, uh, this is on a YouTube video actually. Um, where was the other one? Yeah, Reaper, Wartorn. That's a good track, actually. Um, all starting to sound like, I think, you know, if you keep, if you keep typing in best new thrash bands 2022 or bands that are likely to be popular in 2023 and all this kind of stuff, 
I am start now. I've started list been. I've been listening to since this podcast started, like Power Trip, Enforcer, Lowest Creature, and a lot of those other bands. You're starting to to see like you know the the kind of continuity between them. There is there is there is an overarching um, style that you know that you can de- definitely detect if you went back and listened to like the Bay Area stuff from like 84, 85, 86, 87. So. Yeah, the um, the old the old school is 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 definitely rife across across now, which is good. It's good. It's but it's good. not just that it's not just that you can detect the presence of, of the of the influence of the Bay Area and the the 1980s slash in this new stuff. What I'm saying is the new stuff itself seems to have a certain um, flavor to it too. Yeah, I think that's not coming from Bay Area. That's coming from hardcore. And you know, like for example, the way that some of these bands, like I think Power Trip are very good at it from a lot of the stuff I've heard, because I'm still listening to all of the stuff that I've mentioned in previous episodes. That they start a song with a really good riff, um, and then it, it goes somewhere else, and then they'll bring that riff back into it. But there's not a lot of solos, for example. Yeah, there are some, but they're not a lot. But the, the, you know, the, but you're kind of left wanting more because you we need to hear that riff again. That riff's got to come back during this song. Like the song by the song by Power Strip called Crucifixion, which I think that middle riff is fantastic. Um, I think that also be to do with modern tech. Um, maybe, maybe I'm I'm not I'm just you know saying that this is just what I've been, I've been thinking about. It's kind um, of where it's kind of where you've got bands that are like you've got four or five members, and some of them are bringing a hardcore influence, and some of them are bringing a metal influence. Mm. But you know, it's it's all it's all good. It it, it all makes for a um, a more um, kind of meaningful like kind of range of uh stuff so you know it's good i mean you can you can you can definitely you know you can definitely hear the influence of the 80s stuff on there definitely but you can also hear the influence of and again it goes back to what we've been talking about the last you know in and out the last couple of weeks it's like the kind of how important is the scene how important is the are the players in the scene how important are is the infrastructure and does that actually have an effect on the musicality, clearly it does. Yeah. Um, so yeah, does does a scene create the music, or does the music create the scene? Isn't it? It's it's a funny one. That I suppose. Yeah, it's a it's a cycle, isn't it? Self perpetuating. Yeah, yeah, there is a bit of that, but, um, but yeah, it you know, it's the whole. It's like the whole punk and and um, hardcore and thrash crossover. It's all taking influences from years ago and and you know we'll we'll come back to it later when um when when bones joins us about the whole you know new wave of traditional heavy metal or just a resurgence of old school metal it's it's everywhere at the moment it's almost like it's crept up on us without us even noticing it does everything have to be waves of course it has to be waves everything's got to come in waves yeah there there are things that you know need to happen in waves okay energy you know gravitate gravity matter but you know i'm not i'm not really into this kind of like let's just take waves and let's apply it to everything waves dissipate that's the problem well let's let's, let's be honest there's only been one wave and that was the new wave of british heavy metal wasn't it so everything else has just been people paddling along and right, it's, it's like you know every 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 kind of scandal is a gate party yeah. gate <laughs> you know it's like you know how many gates do we need and there's only one it's watergate nothing's ever nothing's ever going to top that no at the yeah. gates 
I mean, when when you've got because I mean, that, that that's come around again like the anniversary of that this, this this recently. When you're looking at, I mean, looking into that kind of stuff. I mean, it wasn't just a group of people being breaking into the Democratic National offices in the Watergate Hotel building. It was basically Nixon using the FBI and the CIA to spy on the American public and to break in and like plant documents and stuff. I mean, if you actually read into that stuff, it's it's much more like insidious than you know a, a break in at a hotel or a, you know an office in a hotel building. I'm starting to think that we should have a um, a political five minutes every week so people can make <laughs> the choice of whether they stay listening or switch off. No, no, there's a, there's, a, there's a TV show at the moment. It's in episode seven of a 10-episode run. It's called Gaslit, and it's about Watergate. Oh, and it's that, got yeah. um, Sean Penn and Julia Roberts and, um, you know, uh, who else? Quite a few other people in it. And it's, I've been watching it, so that's, you know, so obviously I went back and, you know, read up on it and stuff, so. That's got um, Dan Stevens in, hasn't it? Yeah. Dan yeah. Stevens, yeah, I like, I like him. He's, he's done. And is it, is it Betty Gilpin? I don't know. Uh, yeah, from... Um, Oh, glow. Yeah, yeah. No, but like the other thing as well, like you know, I, I went back and read up on it because like I am actually I have to I had to teach something related to it last week. So no, Dan Stevens was on the one show um about five, six weeks back when uh, when Gaslit started and managed to sneak a just a a very blatant Boris Johnson insult. Oh yeah, I remember seeing that on the, on YouTube. How dare they insult our fearless leader? I won't have a word said against the floppy head useless cunt. Sorry, walking haystack. <laughs> um, yeah, moving on from politics. Uh, I've been listening to obviously been listening to the Tailgunner EP this week. Um, the guy so kindly sent us over um, four cracking tracks. We'll we'll talk about a bit more later on with with Bones. Um, In solitude, or one of the sort of early early ones of this sort of new wave of, of old school metal kind of thing that no longer with us, you know, a bit of a sort of blast in the past. Um, and one of the best names I've heard for a band in many years, um, a bit Mastodonia, a bit kind of Baroness, that kind of thing called Telekinetic Yeti. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> with a name alone, I had to give them a listen. It's all right if you're into that kind of thing, but it, it gets a bit boring after a while, but... Yeah, highlight of this week's been the Tailgunner EP and a very long um, Stranger Things playlist on Spotify. All the music from all four seasons in one playlist. It's been that's been quite enjoyable because there's just so much cool music in it. Yeah, looking forward to that. I get around to watching it. <laughs> but um, I, I haven't. I've. I, I think I know people that watched the first episode season. I've. I've never seen it really. Don't you think? It's, it's good. It just the show just goes from strength to strength, and it's you know my kids love it. You know my kids are thirteen and eleven, and they absolutely they're obsessed with it. Um, but I think for us of our age, it's just that heart back to a to a better time, isn't it? There's, there's so many references to classic <laughs> horror. And... You can describe the eighties. Yeah, yeah, no, but we're we're thinking about the eighties as kids, where you know we're like six, seven years old, and all we're doing is playing football and climbing trees, and so for us. It, it was a simpler time, wasn't it? For adults, perhaps not, but for us, it was. It's when we were kids, so you, you can relate to it in that way. You just don't have a a Vecna, so you know. Um, and what you've been listening to this week? Uh, Tell Gunner, still, yeah. They say that's a decent EP, and yeah, enjoying that. Um, discovered a band called Crowbot. 
Yes. Um, yeah, yeah about four or five albums in. So another another one that's you know slipped beneath me. But uh, yeah, Southern Southern American band. Well, Southern USA. Um, just solid hard rock, but quite heavy, quite punching. Yeah, just good. Really decent anthemic, bit dark. Yeah, really, really Moorish. Um, so I'll um, come back to them. I think definitely more. Yeah, thanks for putting them my way because they're, they're, yeah, I enjoy what I listen to so far. It's good. Yeah. Um, and uh, the first three Motorhead albums, just still working <laughs> way through various 70s things. So, um, yeah, just really um, absorbing those, which I've not done before. And Overkill, pretty uh, pretty classic, certainly. Yesterday was, uh, was it yesterday or today? It was 30 years of um, Faith in the World's Angel Dust, wasn't it? Yeah, yesterday. Been a bit of a fuss. Sort of the, yeah, the anniversary of the release of Load. So, did you say Low or Load? Load. Moving on. Let's, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's yeah, let's let's go back to Angel Dust because and I know you were making a fuss of it this week and you know you look back on it and it it was you know it, it is a great it's not my favourite Faith and the More album, but in terms of what they did and and their career, it's probably their most important one. It was I suppose why people are making a fuss about it now 30 years on. Oh god, yeah. I mean thing is when I was starting to listen to Faith No More you know, after getting into metal, it was the other, it was Real Thing and King for a Day that I yeah. probably listened to more because Angel Dust, I didn't dislike it, but I, I sort of struggled with it. It was quite, it, it needed a lot of work and I kind of didn't want to put, put that into it at the time. Um, and then it clicked at some point. Um, and you can see exactly how, how it influenced pretty much everything in metal that was new or fresh from that point. Um, you know, I mean, people, people talk about new metal with with the the funky bass and, and other bits and pieces, but it's just everything new metal can you know you can trace back certainly to Angel Dust in in some capacity and how it sounded. But it's also it's it's the death metal stuff like stuff on Malpractice. Yeah, and death metal was yeah was was big in 1992 definitely. But you know that, that sort of technical prog death metal and it's what four minutes five minutes that's it. Yeah, that's so much in one track. Um, and fuck me, you got you got a bloody track called Jizz Lobber. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, and, just, and, just to clarify, if I'm hearing you right, what you're suggesting is that we need to kind of develop a time machine, go back in time, slash Faith Name Wars tour bus tires, so they go off the side of the cliff and die, and then we wouldn't get new metal. Is that what you're suggesting? That's a bit cold. <laughs> We'd, all, we'd, all, we'd already had other stuff by then. We'd already had Public Enemy, and uh, yeah, yeah, but that 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 uh, was a, I think that was more of, of a kind of experiment. I don't think people were necessarily looking at that and going, right, we need to do that because that's that's you know that was a collaboration that worked. I don't think you can trace all new. I, I don't think you can trace new metal back to that collaboration. I think Faith 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 No More have probably got just as much culpability as you know, a lot of other people. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we, if we could find some way to uh, erase them from history. <laughs> no, I, just, I think just as an album, as just a, a body, a piece of work, it's, it's stunning. Absolutely stunning. Weirdly, uh, Midlife Crisis was the first Faith No More song I ever heard on a, like we were talking about last week, on a, on a classic rock compilation. Which is weird, you know. It was, that was on a compilation with the usuals, you Blue Oyster Cults and Ravis Cooper, and you know, and Scorpions and that kind of thing. And 
and that was in the middle of it. And that's probably, other than the uh, the easy cover, that's probably the most accessible song on the album. Um, but I got into the rest of Faith No More after listening to that. Actually getting into Angel Dust, same as you, I struggled with it initially. I probably got more of an appreciation for it now than I did when I first got into the band. Yeah. It is a bit out there. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I... I think when I was still a chart, a chart music listener as a kid, Angel Dust and all but those singles just bypassed me completely um, for whatever reason. I was familiar with Faith No More because of, oh God, what's the main song from Real Thing? It's eluding me. Oh, you mean uh, Epic? Epic, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah no, because Epic was on the chart show, that video, that was on a lot uh, yeah. at the time. Um, so yeah, I, 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 it was very vivid. Uh, to me but yeah I, can, I don't think I heard of them again till Dick in the Grave came out with, with King for a Day um, yes, yeah, King, King for a Day is my favourite Faith No More album it's, it's probably their most straightforward but it's yeah. just I mean that's just as interesting you know the, the, the lounge stuff they do and just yeah. as well it's yeah I mean it's you know in some ways the real thing is very I don't, I don't know how to say this without sort of being being rude because it's a great album but it's just it's a bit more one-dimensional yeah yeah simple yeah. as that i think yeah. i mean okay there were what three albums in overall yeah. but it was their first with pattern so they're still yeah. finding their feet with him and they they did very well but yeah it's 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 almost well it's almost a pop album really pattern's influence wasn't as strong on the album as it was on angel dust was it because obviously with the whole mr bungle thing and that he came from a, a background of music that was a little bit loopy yeah and, on the real thing, it wasn't there, but on Angel Dust, it obviously was. So that's probably why, you know, they made, and they'd fallen out with Jim Martin by then as well, hadn't they? So, you know, it was, uh, all, it was all starting to go sour. And that was the last album he played on, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he was on that album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they made about like five guitarists. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's that's when they start when it all started to go tits up, personal relationship wise. So, you know, you can kind of see why why it happened really, because yeah, that classic album. 30 years old, you know, there's loads of great albums turning 30 at the minute, so it's um, it's, it's making us all feel old. Yeah, you got Rage, Rage album, that first album. Well Jam 10, 30. Uh, yeah, Dirt. Yeah. James. All this stuff, it just shows what a great year. There was a, let's have a look, let's dig out the internet, why not? There was a good article, I think, that popped into my theme, my... Uh, my feed knows me very well at this point. The band yeah. that shall not be named released a key album that year, but yeah, we'll we'll doss over that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Keep going. Who yeah. else? Who else? So, yeah, so you got uh, White Zombie released Last Last Tech Sort Yeah, Glanville. Yeah. yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> one before Astro Creep. Stone Temple Pilots did Core. Don't give a shit about them. So yeah. Massively overrated. So yeah, Rage, Rage, Vulgar Display of Power. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, Psalm 69. Okay. That's which is not a big fan of Ministry, to be fair, but yeah, big album. I mean, you've got Countdown to Extinction, which I'm indifferent about, if I'm honest with you, but a lot of people like it. Yeah. Uh, L7's Bricks Are Heavy, which is decent. Yeah. No, Symphony of... No, Countdown to Extinction. Not a bad album. A couple of very good songs on there. Ultimately... Too much filler. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Meantime by Helmet and uh yeah. 
Uh, and Dark Throne, Blaze in the Northern Sky. Oh, fuck Dark Throne. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we now, we're just being joined by, um, by Bones from Tailgunner, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll bring him in in a sec. Um, yeah, respect to Angel Dust. We'll, um, I, I listened to it again today for the first time in ages and really enjoyed it. So, Bones, how are you doing? Hey, man, what's up? Yeah, I'm good. good. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us, Brent. It's um, good to be to take out your Friday night. Yeah, no worries. Good to be here. Straight home from work and coming on and talking to us, Wayne, because it's, uh, you know, it's, yeah, appreciate it. No worries. Yeah, nice to meet you. Cheers for joining. Hey, man. Good to see you. Before we go on to anything specific, I was just about to talk about um, the fact that Kiss had just been caught lip syncing in Belgium playing Detroit Rock City. Has anybody read this? No. Yeah, I, I heard about that. I haven't seen anything. I haven't watched any videos or anything yet, but I'm going to have to go and troll it and find it. But this is pretty fucking shameful either way. So I just thought I'd bring it up to see if anybody had seen any videos, but you know, shame on them nonetheless. But, um, but yeah. Yeah, just drop mosquito repellent in my fucking beer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, now, Padre's in Italy, so I'm just, he always mentions this, he's always commenting about something, so. He's very hot and sweaty, so he'll, he'll complain about that quite a lot. Yeah, he lives next door to Mount Etna, so. Yeah, he'll mention that as well. May as well get it in before he does. And, and he's in Sicily, so he's, yeah, he's, he'll mention the Mafia as well. <laughs> it's all there. Anyway, good, to, good to be doing uh, an interview with everyone else who's got beers actually it's normally just me <laughs> no 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 it's um it's, it's part of the weekly ritual it's um it's, it's like our escape from normal life so you know yeah. i'm on the tea at the moment but uh, i'll have a couple are you back on the tea oh fair yeah I'd, i'm i had, a, I had half a guinness yesterday but i've got a stag do tomorrow so i'll have a couple well then you need to get in practice yeah it's all about building yourself up to it isn't it i'll get there <laughs> You know, so yeah anyway look, yeah bones thanks for coming on right it's um it's it's massively appreciated um uh, we've, we've all had a listen to um to the to the ep this week obviously first three songs we've we've already we already know um and and crashed either we've now listened to as well uh, made four really strong songs i mean you're so early in your career where where, where have you got this from because we've been listening to a lot of this sort of I don't. I don't want to tag it as such, but new wave of traditional heavy metal, which I'm sure you've you've had mentioned. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and, but so much of it is so good, and it's it's the hooks and the choruses, and so how you guys have managed to write four such strong songs so early on, kind of blows me away a little bit, really. Who, who, who's who's it all from? Is it a collective thing? Is it, is it you? Is it? You uh, so, Shadows of War. Well, I, I wrote the the music to the four tracks on the EP. Uh, our guitarist Pat came up with the, the main riff for Crash Dive and then uh, and the lyrics are, are mine as well and then the the hook for the chorus of Revolution Scream was written by our singer Craig it's um yeah all of it is is quite well I think when I first saw the the video for Revolution Scream I assumed you were more established than you are because it's, it's got a real sort of that's good that was yeah that was the idea anyway <laughs> it's got a real polish to it isn't it so no, that was cool. Like, yeah, we that was the the first video that we shot actually, and getting to the the place, they were a nightmare to get hold of. And when we eventually got in there, it is this huge club in Liverpool, 
And like the the guy that was there working with us, we had the video crew and then someone from the venue and he was driving a cherry picker around to set shit up. And I was stood there like, fucking hell, man. Like, yeah, this is this is big. <laughs> Rockstar territory, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. But, um, but no, you know, the video looks good, to be fair. So, yeah. And, and you know, the fact you're British and a lot of these bands that I've been talking about, uh, Swedish and German, especially Swedish, we did a an entire episode on Swedish metal a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. It's, it's a bit of an obvious one, but as the other the other two will, will attest to, it's they've got such a strong metal scene and it just keeps on. So there's so many great bands. I think that all the time, like I'll, I'll hear someone new and then look up where they're from. Oh, of course it's Sweden. Yeah. I, I don't understand how a country that's got in such a small population yet keeps churning out so many great bands. And, it, and it's I not like it's a small like... period of time either. When I remember I went there a few years ago to Gothenburg and I was walking down the street and there's literally like five-year-old kids in like Sabaton t-shirts. And it's just, that is what it is. Like we walked home, for, well, home to, to where we were staying from the city centre and there was three gigs on that we walked past on the way home that all had sleeves bands on. Yeah. Like it's just insane. Yeah, it's not. We, this is what we this is what we were talking about in that episode, and what we talked about with Lois Creature. I mean, like they were telling us about the artistic grants and the fact that, for example, they they were able to. Um, where where are they from again? Trigenza? Lois Creature. They're from. You never know, doesn't it? We were up in the north. Yeah, right. So they they were telling us that they were able to like rent a small compound, them mm. and a few other bands, and that they had support from the local council. They had funding. You could you don't get that in the UK. That is part of the problem. Crazy, yeah. yeah. The fact that for, for any any type of art to flourish, it, it does require some support. It requires a supportive or at least an accepting environment. You know, it's just like kids are probably going down the road with Sabaton t-shirts because no one's taking the piss out of them for wearing them. Yeah, know? that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a fair point. My um my, my daughter's into metal now and, and she gets, albeit I think it's a little more lighthearted, but she gets the fun poked uh, by her friends because she listens to metal and none of the others do. So it's, it's almost like it's, it is a bit of a British thing, isn't it? Padre, you used to get it, didn't you, Padre, when we were at college? Oh, yeah, like, oh, Marilyn Manson, we're freaks. I don't even like Marilyn Manson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just like, who cares? I mean, Marilyn Manson was partly, I mean, like, the, the guy is, he, he's a witty, clever guy, but he, he knew how to market himself and it wasn't yeah. just based on his music, you know? And like, yeah. it's quite easy when you've got the religious right in America l- trying to lynch you in every town you turn up on, or like when he goes on like the Bill O'Reilly show or when he was on CNN. But, you know, it wasn't like, you know, 100% because of his music, it was to do with his image just as much as anything. Yeah, it was, it was, it was the whole concept. It's but- a shame that we, we get, most people get tagged they, you know, associated with that rather than with bands like Tailgun. If, if there's one thing that, that, that this current crop of, of bands is showing us, that just good songs is, is what matters, and Lois Creature alludes to the same thing. Um, but anyway, going back to, to you guys, how long have you actually been together now? How long have you been a band? So we have, I mean, we finished putting together the full lineup by like August 2020. Okay. So I started looking for the rest of the guys back in like the autumn of 2018 and it took almost two years to put the lineup together. And then from the summer of 2020, 
spent a year and a half getting it ready and then launched it in January. So you had to do all that through through lockdown then? Yeah, like it was, it was funny actually, we had to learn our way around the law to actually be able to go and rehearse and make the album and things and like trying to get the train to places because we all live in different parts of the country and having the police like, oh, what are you doing? I'm working, mate. Fucking speakers and everything. Yeah, off to work. So yeah, like it was, it did make it a bit of a challenge. So you say you're all from different parts of the country and where are you all from? I live in London. Uh, our guitarist Zach's in Reading. Our other guitarist Pat lives in Derby. And then our drummer Sam's in Liverpool and Craig, our singer's in Stoke. Fucking hell. Yeah. How do you make that work now then? Now that it's getting a bit uh, Well, luckily we don't mind taking a train. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's always a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, but that's... that's <laughs> it just don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming home. I'm coming home in about three, two and a half weeks, and I'm looking at the cost of train tickets to, to get back to Cornwall. And I'm like, <laughs> it's 110 quid to get from Cardiff to Redruth, right? That's a single, and you've got to take the bus because they they closed the damn Seven Tunnel. So yeah. like, whatever. Someone should write a song about that. <laughs> our guitarist Sack ended up actually. I, I learned that if your train gets cancelled and they can't find any other decent route for you to get home if you're going late at night or whatever that doesn't involve getting home at about 6am you can get a taxi and charge it to the train company yeah he, he ended up having to i never knew but he ended up having to get a taxi from birmingham back to reading because the train <laughs> got it, it takes the fucking piss doesn't it but yeah. i mean fair play to you then really if that's if that's the way you're all spread out because you know that's 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 a challenge in itself if it if you became a, if you ever became a full time band and it all you know went well, have you ever got? Would, would you ever sort of all move to one place in the country to make it easier? It depends. I, I think at what scale it was at for one, and second, like we're we're so used to working like this now anyway, and everyone has like their own lives and things that we've built in those cities, so. Not a definite no, like we've talked about at some point trying to get a place somewhere, uh, especially just to rehearse and record and everything. Because the way we did the albums, we did it ourselves anyway. So it's like if we had a dedicated space, that'd be great. But yeah, at the moment, I'm not too sure. That's quite, I mean, that's, that's fascinating to hear because there's a lot of conversations these days about working from home and remote stuff and, you know, how it's going forward. And, you know, hearing that your band are separate and working through that, with what you do um just goes to show what, what's possible these days yeah no for sure definitely like with the the album say we recorded it ourselves but we weren't separate at the time so we we ended up renting it was on airbnb this like fucking massive converted chapel in bournemouth nice uh, right near the beach and it's just really cool it was just on the end of this road and it's just this huge chapel with a graveyard outside so we all lived there for like 10 days or something and then recorded the album that way. Yeah, things like that. I mean, that's, that's something that's something that's, like I say, it's an anecdote in itself, isn't it? Um, but I know yeah. bands like, um, like Malevolence are one, you know, I mean, they're, they're starting to sort of get quite popular now, but they rendered themselves a warehouse and, you know, built themselves a, a studio space in there, a rehearsal space. They do all their merch from there, everything. Yeah. 
kind of one space, but they all live in the same town. So I guess that's what makes it easier, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. I mean, oh, it's cool. It it would be cool for sure. It's just see where where we're at in in the future. But it, it just everything costs money, doesn't it? At the end of the day, and yeah, that's it. Makes you wonder though. You know, is there a is there a gap in the market for like a Airbnb kind of site just for metal bands? Thrash B and B. You know, <laughs> that, that, would, that would be sick. Yeah, yeah, like you know, like, you know, but it but it's not like any old rehearsal space. It's like disused churches, Celtic burial grounds, in age settlements. You know, there is there is something there. There is something. <laughs> yeah, old, old warehouses, shipping containers, all sorts of things, isn't it? You, you, know. you do buy St Michael's Mount. Turn it into just like a, a like a like a, a self-contained island just for thrash bands or metal bands. No. Uh, I think I think um, Sir Michael's Mount would be purely power metal and nothing else, to be honest. What the <laughs> fuck is the National Trust for then? <laughs> if this is take care of like UK culture for fuck's sake. Also, get English heritage on the phone. You know, just like can they do some good for once? You know, call it for rock. Our fucking taxes pay for that shit. You, you don't pay tax in the UK. <laughs> you haven't been in the UK for 15 fucking years. I, I, I send money back. <laughs> you don't. Yeah, that's insurance. Oh, well, fair enough. What, like £9 a month or something? Yeah, got, you know, got to keep your thumb in that pie. Yeah, all right, yeah. I don't know where your fucking thumb goes. Um, I lost my train of thought. This, <laughs> this happens every fucking week. <laughs> you go off on some tangent and talk about some fucking nonsense and I lose my train of thought. As, uh, sorry, as Joey, as Joey it's mentioned, it's, rules. it's more kind of just like a, it, it, it's, it's a Brio train. It's not a big train. It's a Brio train. Fuck it up. Yeah, we, we, um, we, have, we have one rule on the podcast and there's, um, there's one certain um, progressive metal band that no one's allowed to mention. So um... <laughs> you, can't, you can't have a veto list and dictate to us what we can and can not talk about and then like kind of make these like kind of loose innuendos about the band i mean like just if you're gonna do it fucking come out and say it i'm not saying it i, I stick to the rules i'm not saying it. what your own rules yeah my own fucking rules my podcast my rules <laughs> but uh, but yeah yeah we uh, we we don't talk about them um yeah john petrucci and co we we, we try not to mention them wherever possible because they're, they're they're an abomination so just in case. Um, yeah, what was I saying? So, so you guys now, three songs out, fourth one coming, EP coming out. You're on tour at the minute as well. Um, you feel free to plug all that, tell everybody where you're playing, all that kind of stuff. How, how tough is that now that, you know, you're going, actually going out and talking? You're doing a fair few dates as well, but it's scattered all around the country. So from a logistic point of view, that must be that must be tough to manage. Yeah, it's, it's tough, actually. Yeah, it's been being a stressful day with that sort of stuff so just at this level trying to do anything like that that's that's kind of worthwhile same with releases and, and shows and, and everything like it is hard to, to get all that sort of stuff together um i mean yeah like we're, we're looking forward to touring um going to first first gigs in scotland first festival the Edinburgh show has been recorded for the radio, so that'll be cool. And then uh, looking forward to going back to Liverpool. So we, we sold that one out last time and we're co-headlining with a band called Geiss, who 
our, our videographers band in Liverpool and they sold out like a similar size venue there like six months ago or something. So we're teaming up and doing this co-headline at like a 300 cap. So really looking forward to that. Uh, we've got a crew coming down to that to record the desk as well, which will be cool. So hopefully going to have some like live kind of singles and things in future. And then uh, Sheffield, Manchester, Birmingham, back to London, obviously, as you know, at the Dev, which yeah. I can't wait to do. And then down to Southampton. So we're taking the leaf out of Motorhead's book because every time they tour the UK, it was Portsmouth. And then the next time it would be Southampton. So it's like, right, where are we going to play? What did Motorhead do? I will do that. To, to go, from, I suppose, to go from Scotland to Southampton, at least you, you're kind of covering pretty much the whole UK, aren't you? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, I managed to, to route it quite well, thankfully, because last time we had to go, what, Nottingham, down to Reading, then up to Liverpool, then down to London. Yeah. Just because of venue availability, and this time it is pretty much a straight line all the way down. Yeah, yeah, fair play to her. We'll um, cover us. We'll, we'll, me and Ab will probably be at the Dev show. And Friday nights in the Dev are quite it's... lively, so yes, that'll be that'll be a fun show. That looking forward to that. Yeah, we're really looking forward to coming back. Um, so what's what's the um, what's the plan now? Have you got other stuff written and ready to go? You got an album in mind and that kind of thing? Yeah. So the the album is pretty much done. We're finishing up that up this summer. Uh, and then the plan is to release that January next year. Yeah. Um, after the Crash Dive EP, at some point, and sort of think about a release date at the moment, either end of summer, start of autumn, there's going to be another single. And we might fill in that gap with some stuff from the live EP that we're planning on recording in Liverpool. Do you are you only playing your own stuff live now? You don't do any covers or anything? There's there's a few covers, yeah. There is a few covers. There's What's so we cover? play for an hour and there's three tunes that we cover. Okay, cool. Which okay. ones? Uh Beast in the Night by a Danish band called Randy. Uh We Stand to Fight by Virtue, who were like a, a band, I think they were from Reading in like the early to mid 80s. They were all about 16 and they made one EP, played about five gigs and then split up. And there's a few songs on that EP that are just amazing. So we're covering one of those. And uh, the final one is Night of the Blades by Tokyo Blade. Obscure stuff, and you're not going out with something obvious then. That's, yeah. No. So, yeah, that was a few people have said, oh, why do you play covers if no one knows them? And it's like, because oh, they're fucking great songs. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's cool as well, because there was a few people in every crowd last time, like literally two or three, that when we played some of those, would go, fucking hell. And for those people, you're like, yes. And you got them because you they can't believe that you're playing something so obscure. No, that's what, what was the name of the band you said that was 16 years old? They're called Virtue. Uh, the EP is called We Stand to Fight. It's on YouTube, it's not on Spotify. Um, and uh, we covered the title track. Okay, I'm gonna check that out because that in itself is uh oh yeah, look yeah, looking at the artwork, it's proper new wave of British heavy metal stuff. Yeah. yeah, they're they're a great band. So what will be the plan after that? And once the album's released, and I, I guess it's see how it's it's received, is it, and, and go from there, or yeah. So we'll, we'll put out put out the album in the new year, and then basically this year we've concentrated on the UK because there's no point going and playing anywhere else if we can't, you know, get people to show up in our own country. But put out the album, and then next year the, my main aim is to get us into Europe, and hopefully find someone to release the album before that. So what about next next summer then and looking forward going festivals? Because obviously now the festivals are back in full swing, you know, download this weekend, Sweden Rock this weekend, and it's all back to normal. 
is that something you'll you'll try to get you? Your yes. Yeah, so, I mean, if we're we're going to go and play in Europe, the the key thing for us will be getting on these festivals, especially the ones I think that you know are for old school traditional heavy metal, like keep it true and things, yeah. um, and hopefully playing with some bigger bands, seeing what we can make happen there. And I think that's going to be the way for us to go and and get into into Europe. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, you know going back to this whole new wave of traditional heavy metal thing. There's there's such a strong scene for it across Europe at the minute, and some like I said, some of the festivals that are specifically for that um, Mystic Festival last weekend. I think there's quite a lot of it on on that bill as well in Poland. It's um there's a, there's a hunger for it, so you should have a pretty good. It's good, yeah. There's yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a crowd for it. Thank God, because like we wouldn't want to do anything else. We wouldn't want to play metal any differently, you know. So it is really nice to see, especially just before putting this band together, that like shit, there is actually a proper scene for this stuff yeah. again. Was it your intention right from the start then to play this kind of thing, or was it a case of whatever? Yeah, I mean, for all of us, like even before we knew each other, it's been our intention since we were about twelve or thirteen. <laughs> it was just a case of like getting together and and doing it. Like for us, this is the way that it's supposed to sound. Yeah. You know, not saying like us ourselves, like everyone should sound like that, but like heavy metal, like there's there's no other sort of way for us. I don't think I could write any differently. Yeah, no, that's yeah, I, I get that. And and you're right, it's it's like it's like before just before you came on, Padre was saying that not everything has to be a wave. And I've heard um Olaf from um from Enforcer say it as well that they don't consider themselves a, a new wave. No. Band. They're, just, they're just a heavy metal band it's never it's never gone anywhere it's always been there so why does it yeah, happen no, that, that's very true and Enforcer have been around as well for like yeah. what 2005 2006 so they were before anyone else that I know about I know that obviously there was traditional metal albums and stuff in the late 90s and early 2000s but it's not a part of you know this thing now yeah it's, so, uh, waves lead to just people classifying everything and everything's going to be a subgenre yeah genre and it's yeah. just you know, I think I, I agree with you. I mean, can it just, just please, can it just be heavy metal? Yeah, yeah. Why do we need to, why do we need to classify everything all the time? And the thing is, as well, as if it keeps going, like you think it will now, I don't think it's going to be a scene that's going to be around for, well, it's already been around for six or seven years. So that's longer than most scenes in history. I think it's, you know, hopefully heavy metal is back, at least in a proper underground sense. And how long is the this new wave of traditional heavy metal going to be? Is it like in another 10 years, is it still going to keep going and you're going to call it the same thing? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's, yeah. Subgenres and buzzwords, isn't it? We don't always mean it. Sometimes it's just, it's just heavy fucking metal. Well, I suppose it makes for like a, a nice, like, you know, kind of hashtag on the internet. But again, like, wasn't it um, uh, Lois Creature were talking about? They, 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 they kind of shy away from this. Uh, like being like you know, or they are the Swedish version of Power Trip, or they're yeah, the yeah. version of this. They don't like it. They just they're just power. They're just lowest creature. I mean, it's like, well, how do you feel about that, Bones? Do you like being compared to other people, or are you just tailgun? I'm never gonna complain about being compared to someone if I like that band. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but at the same time, like I, I definitely think music is best when. I mean, inevitably you go in with some expectations because you read the band name or you see the art or something. But when you've still got pretty much no idea, 
I think that's when it's most powerful and you know when a band I think when you write stuff that's how you want it to be heard it's, it's late some of it's just lazy in it Compa- just comparisons are for fans of this for fans of that there is no lazy journalism to it and I think lowest creature for one they've they've really suffered from that you know just and I think their response when we brought it up was kind of like they're, they're sick of of the comparison with power trip and you know, but you, you, you guys, I wouldn't say you sound exactly like another band, if you know what I mean. It's because you're just playing heavy metal. I mean, there's, there's been thousands of bands that are doing the same kind of thing. So why does it matter if, if there's several bands that sound alike? If that's the music we like, then what difference does it make? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I've, I've never really had time for that or given that any thought. It's like, I love Airborne and people, oh, they just sound like ACDC, but... They don't like if you listen to the enough of their stuff, they don't sound exactly like ACDC. Obviously, sound a lot like them, but it's like they're an Australian rock and roll band. If that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. And if if the tunes are good, it's like no one's wrote that song before, so fuck it. Any rock and roll band that comes out of Australia, they get tagged with that, aren't they? So. I suppose it's unavoidable. It's like, it's like going to a it's like going to a, a, a Michelin star restaurant and saying everything tastes like chicken. It's <laughs> like you know, it's like you know that like people people listen to uh, music in the same way some people will like try wine. It's like oh, they're swilling it around. Going, yeah, I'm getting a I'm getting a hint of juniper berries. Do you know what I'm getting? Pissed because it's wine. <laughs> you know what I'm hearing? Metal because I'm a metal fan. You know, it's like I, I'm not going to piss the government. You know, it's like do we have to like. No one gives a shit that if you can listen to a song and say those four bands influenced that track. I don't care. Yeah, shut the fuck up. Just listen to it. Buy the tickets. Buy the merch. Support them. Yeah. I think one thing that was really cool for us was there was a review when we played in Liverpool, which is like, if when you listen to us, you can tell exactly who we're influenced by, but you also don't think, well, that's just a Maiden riff. That's just a Megadeth riff or something. Yeah. It's like it still sounds sounds somewhat unique which i was really pleased about actually yeah that's yeah that's 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 good that's that's someone that's actually taking the time to listen properly rather than just lazy comparisons so is that does that does that go as far as do you make do you like consciously choose your like equipment in order to sound differently from say to avoid these comparisons in terms of like our guitars and and amps and things yeah uh no not really like we everyone just plays what they want so i use a galleon kruger bass amp which are kind of unknown um duff mckagan uses one and then the rest are all like funk and r&b players but they sound amazing for metal um and then pat uses a classic marshall don't ask me what it is i'm a bass player i don't know exactly but one of those and uh, zach plays black stuff so it's uh, yeah, like it's obviously stuff that's been used before, but there's there's no there's no con- we just everyone's tones and things are just the way that they want them to be, rather than a conscientious thing. Who decided we call the band Tailgunner? Is that yours? Yeah. What, yeah, what, that's that. is that just purely just after the Maiden song, or is that just because it's other connotations? Or it's it's after a combination of the Maiden song and pure desperation, because in the lockdown I, I ended up buying a dictionary and a thesaurus and I would listen to like an album every morning when I'd fuck all else to do and read the dictionary trying to find cool names and we <laughs> came with literally about a hundred and something and they were all taken 
or one person in the band didn't like them. And I think it's important that like everyone in the band's got to like the name, otherwise it's hard to, you know. And uh, I, I ended up thinking, well, I'll just do the really cheesy thing of like looking at song names. So I scrolled through like a metal playlist that I had on Spotify and it's like Tail Gunner. And at, at first I was like, it's kind of cool. And then I, like everyone that we said it to was like, that's a fucking cool name. Yeah. So it was like, right. And then it was also a case of this is like a month or two before we went to record our album. And I was like, I'm not going to go into the studio and make an album without a band name because yeah. that, that doesn't feel right. Do you know what I mean? So it was like, OK, like we, we found it and everyone's kind of got into it over the space of a few weeks. And I'm really glad we went for it. It's like it's that old thing of every name sounds kind of weird until it's a thing. Yeah. And it was it was definitely one of those. What were um, other potential names? Um, God, it's hard to remember. Um, at one point, we wanted to call the band Exocet after the missile, Ooh. but there's a band called that. <laughs> that was, uh, no, 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 hang on, hang on. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a fair enough name for a band. Like, what, he's not going to go to Argentina and play it. <laughs> 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 I do. Oh yeah, where, 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 where are you going to play first with that band? Oh, yeah, the Falkland Islands. <laughs> Look, South America's got a strong metal scene, so you never know. You can't write these things yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're from South America, the band that has the name. Oh really? <laughs> maybe. No, I don't know, but maybe. Oh, fair play to them, if that's the case. But no, to be fair, Tailgunner, Tailgunner is a good name. I think with the name Tailgunner, people will A, yeah, refer to, to Maiden, and obviously, you know, planes, guns, war, things that just go hand in hand with heavy metal, people will, will kind of put two and two together and get old school metal, won't they? So it, it, it works and it? it kind of fits. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. Like, I've, in the past, I've always liked band names that kind of don't immediately allude to the style of music. I think that's kind of cool. But when you play this sort of music, you got to have a fucking cool name. It's like, you know, Megadeth, Black Sabbath and, and stuff yeah. like Iron Maiden. You've got to have a name that just drives it home. Yeah. You've already got a mascot as well. So how did that come we about? Do. Uh, do you know what? Like, it first came about, there was a song called Warhead that I wrote, just because I thought Warhead's a really cool name for a song. And then it ended up, because I wanted a song a bit like The Sentinel by Judas Priest, uh, about this sort of, like, metal character. Um and then we ended up, that was going to be on the first record. And we ended up dropping a song because it wasn't quite strong enough. Um, and then I wrote another tune and I was putting lyrics to it. And I was like, shit, I really want to use this Warhead thing. So there, there is a song about our, our mascot Warhead on, on the first record. Um, and then Sam, our drummer, just ran with the idea and wrote this whole fucking saga about this character. Uh, and at some point, in the future, if if we can do, we'd like to do a sort of concept thing. Or as one of one of my friends referred to him as a shot through the eye guy, which I think is a pretty catchy name as well. Who does the artwork for it all? Uh, our artist Georgia, who's also my girlfriend. Oh. Very very lucky. She's yeah, super talented. Yeah, well, there you go. This is your opportunity to give her the shout out and, and, and sort of spread the word. Is she... she? She won't. She won't watch this. But yeah, thanks, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> um. So obviously, 
something that, that metal bands didn't have in the early days of this kind of, of metal, you know, is, is social media. Um, you guys are fairly, fairly strong with social media, aren't you? You, you know, you do a, a fair bit across the, across the platforms. Do you think, and like I said, through lockdown as well, when, when it's the only kind of way of promoting yourself. Do you think, you know, using social media, it has its negatives, but it, it does have its, its positives as well, doesn't it? No, yeah, I mean, like I've always said, I would love to have been in the days where you just put a band in a van and then just drove it until you either made it or you had to go home. Yeah. I think that's that's the coolest way, but we're not in that world anymore. Um, and so I think social media, is, there was a thing recently, I can't remember who by, I think it was a guy in Jane's Addiction or something, Um saying like all of the bullshit that musicians and artists and things have to do with social media is time that they could have been creating the best thing that they would ever do, which I thought is, is very true. Yeah. At the same time though, it's a necessary evil. And if we've got to do it, everything that we do, I want to do to the absolute best that we possibly can. So, I mean, we do try and use social media as effectively as possible. We, you know, really, really do work a lot at it. And, and the thing is at the end of the day, it's like, you can build a fan base that way. So if the opportunity is there, then go for it. But ultimately, we're a live band. It's like David Coverdale said about um, MTV when it first started, because that the, the music video for Here I Go Again, and he said like it, it basically saved them two years worth of touring because of the exposure that M the MTV gave them and the album sales. It's, it must be something similar with the uh, social media because... Yeah, it might be a bit of a rod for your own back, but it's also got to be, you know, beneficial to some extent because it's getting your name out there, especially if you're living in different parts of the country. I think something really cool as well is if you're trying to build a, a fan base globally, which you can do with social media, is if you have people in other countries that enjoy what you do that ne can't necessarily come and see you, at least not straight away, you can still give them loads of content and like the the thing for us that's the most important is looking after all of the people that enjoy what we do as, as best that we possibly can. Like if you look at a band, like a huge band, for example, that I think are really good at doing that is Metallica. Like I'm actually not a huge Metallica fan, but they really know what they're doing when it comes to like looking after their fan base. And I think social media definitely gives you the ability, even as, as a small band, if you work really hard at it to actually do that. Yeah, that's 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 a fair point. And if it's an easy way to, if it's an easy way to to get across to fans, which you know these days these days it's 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 tough. It's like I suppose you can take you can take football as an example. I suppose that back in the sort of sixties and seventies, footballers would leave training and they'd go and get on a bus and go down the local pub or, or something like that, and they would mix with the fans. And whereas these days, obviously, that's that's not the case. And Social media almost gives you that opportunity to to have that little bit of contact with with fans where you may not you may not necessarily have that without social media. If you know what I mean? It's yeah, I think that yeah, that's very true. I mean, I mean, it would be nice if footballers still got on the bus after games, wouldn't they? <laughs> Can you imagine that? Back in the day, like you know, you'd have to go, you'd have to try and get into the meet and greet if you wanted to meet any of these bands, or yeah. might be lucky enough to see one at an airport or. 
you know, in the street or something. But now, you know, you can you could you can comment on something and maybe someone from the band will like, you know, comment back and, and you know that's that's just that's valued within the within the community. If you said, Oh, so and so sent me a Facebook message, that would be the same as us going, Oh yeah, we we, we met we met Dave Lombardo at a fish and chip shop or something or um something like that, you know. So yeah, I think fans love it. They, they love it when they get a response on social media or a reply or, or anything. Even if it's an insult, I think people really love it. You know? It's... Motley Crue are pretty good at that, I've noticed. I actually think it's like Nikki Six or something that does their social media because like some of the comments they actually reply to that you wouldn't expect a band or something of that size to and they're so condescending, it's hilarious. I think a lot of musicians need to be a little bit more, and, and this, is, this is a shocking thing to say, but a little bit more like James Blunt on social media. Yeah, not take yourself too seriously. Yeah, yeah, he's just happy to poke fun at himself and, and, and doesn't give a shit kind of thing. So it's um, but then you can easily you can easily make yourself look like a dick, I suppose, and you say so you've got to be a little bit careful. Someone's always gonna take a, a viewpoint the wrong way or take offense to something these days, whereas 10, 20 years ago it might not have been the case. Um, so let's let's touch a little bit on on, and I, I'm starting to dislike using the term now, the new wave of traditional heavy metal. Seems, seems we've got you on here and, and, you know, you guys are so fucking good at it. Um, I've kind of only recently, other than bands like Enforcer and In Solitude and stuff like that, I've only sort of recently started listening to a lot of this stuff. There's, there's a good scene for it in the UK. Um, you know, bands like, um, like yourselves and... Um, um, in human nature and, and stuff like that. So, uh, you, you guys, bands like you, you is, is there a sort of, what's the easiest way to put it? Is there a sort of like a, a scene within the UK? Are you, you know, you bands, do you all know each other? Do you? Not, not that we're part of, at least. <laughs> no, I mean, I know, I know like bands like Aggressive Perfector and in Human Nature, like they're, I suppose, a bit more aggressive than, than you guys are, but. There, there is there's definitely a, a hunger for it. And I like the fact that even though a lot of the, the publicity for it all is on social media, it's got a bit of an old school feel to it. It's, it's like, that's, yeah, that's that's great, actually, to, to hear, because that's certainly the intention. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like flyers, old school flyers, but they're just obviously being put on Instagram and that instead. But the, the sort of principle is is there. I quite like that. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's just like... That's that's another good thing you can do with social media is this kind of like world building where you just create a, a whole environment. Do you know what I mean? Like there's there's so many bands that are good at that where you can spend ages on like their Instagram or their YouTube or something and just like delve into all sorts of cool shit. And that's something that I, I definitely want to try and do for us and I'm trying to do. It's like um street teaming was back in the day when you know, you could. Uh, I did a little bit for Roadrunner Records at one point, but it was, you know, it, it was it was a lot of effort just to get a free compilation CD out of a, you know, of a load of new metal. So, you know, it wasn't really worth it. But it is like a, a new way of of word of mouth was back in the in the days, and you know, it's, it does have an old school value. Um, all of you guys in the band, what are all your what are your influences to start playing music in the first place? And I'll, other than, you know, um, I mean, the, the first thing for me was ACDC. 
Yeah. Like, you know how in the last day of year six, instead of doing anything, you watch a film? Yeah. So we watched School of Rock. Okay. Dear class, I... making me old. Feel old, dear class. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember going to see that in the cinema. I, I mean, I did see it in the cinema as well, but yeah, there was, I was like, at uni. I was... no one else there. But yeah, like, so I, I'd seen it then when I was like seven or something, and like, I thought it didn't really have an impact on me in like any sense of music. And then I saw it in year six when I was what ten. And then went home with the the riff to Smoke on the Water stuck in my head, not even knowing that it was Smoke on the Water. And then I was just like kind of singing it at home. And my dad was like, oh, like Smoke on the Water. And I was like, what? And he's like, oh, if you like that sort of thing, listen to this. And he sat me down with the Back in Black record. And like, man, like halfway through Hell's Bells, it was like in the fucking Wizard of Oz, when it goes from black and white into colour, it was like that as a life experience. And literally since, like, listening to that album then, I've just been me and just gotten older and older. <laughs> and, and that's the thing about Mal, though. No, I don't think, I mean, it might be a bit of a sweeping statement, but I don't think any other form of music can give you that moment. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. You know, what, what made you decide to play bass rather than, say, guitar? Because if it's ACDC, it's not, it's not the first thing you think about when you talk bass players, is it? Well... Yeah, there was, there was two things, really. Like, one was, there's this little shop. I, I grew up, I don't know if any of you know, Halen Island, near Portsmouth. It, it, it's, it's, there's fuck all there. Like, there's not even a McDonald's, right? And uh, basically, there was this one little shop that sold, like, alternative sort of clothing, and they did Sex Pistols badges. And my mum ended up buying me the Johnny Rotten ones, and there was this other kid in school and he had the, the Sid Vicious ones. And we both wanted to swap. We didn't even know each other. I barely knew anything about the pistols. I just, I'd seen like Anarchy in the UK or something and thought the badges were cool, but I liked Sid. And then anyway, like I was going to learn guitar um, and I ended up becoming friends with this guy, Marcus, I'm still friends with now. And he, was, he said, I'm going to put a band together, but I need a bass player. And I said, I'll kind of help you. I'm going to learn guitar. And I thought about it for about a day. And I was like, fuck it, I'll just let him bass so I can be in the band. Yeah, that's 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 a yeah, that's a bad agreement. It worked, it worked out well anyway. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Who are well. your favorite bass players? Um the first one was Cliff Williams of ACDC, uh, when I was like really young. And then a bit later, Duff McKagan. He's massive, massive influence on me, probably the most influential bass player for me. Uh, and then more recently, Marcus Groskoff from Halloween. Uh, he's fucking insane, um, like super underrated. The parts he plays are absolutely nuts. Um, and then like people that you'd expect, like Steve Harris, Cliff Burton, um, and then a few like funk players as well, like Billy Graham from Sly and the Family Stone. Because I try to, it sounds weird to say that like implement funk into like old school heavy metal, but there's the stuff you can do where you accent like the first beat of the bar and things rather than the two and four and like if you do that over like double kick and stuff it does give it this really cool sort of powerful feel is that would you say charlie parker's an influence as well uh no no nah, i shot you down in flames well that that, that was going to bring me on to the next question actually to influences outside of metal i mean that, that's yourself but what about the rest of the guys in the band does anybody sort of 
you know, bring anything from outside of, of the obvious metal influences? Um, for the rest of the guys in the back, I mean, Sam, my drummer, loves synthwave. He's banging okay. to his synthwave. And then other than that, that, really, I think the only thing is I'm a huge Smiths fan, which oh. might sound, sound a bit weird, but, like, yeah, I think they're, they're one of the, the greatest bands I've heard. And it's nice. It, it, it crops up. People love Johnny Marr. I mean, um, you know, I don't know. Morrissey's one of those those characters you can sort of debate about all day long, but, you know, Mars riffs were untouchable in the 80s, and the stuff he did for electronic as well, just just as decent. He's he's one of the best guitarists ever. Like, the, no one can sound like him. He's like Angus Young or something. Like, you can play the stuff, but no one can sound like him. Uh, that'll take, but yeah, Morris. <laughs> <laughs> <It's laughs> <It's laughs> I remember when Morris, he, he was playing in Seoul and he started, he was in the Korean media lecturing an entire country on like eating dog. And you're just like, well, they don't eat dog anymore, mate. Calm the fuck down. Yeah, he, yeah, he's a bit of a bad I don't yeah. mind vegans, but you have to preach, you know? What was it? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. if you eat meat, you're not my friend. It's that kind of thing. But then Man of War said, if you're not into metal, you're not my friend. So it's, it's no different, is it? Um, yeah, you, you mentioned Synthwave. Um, Ant's a big Synthwave fan. And, and I, I sort of got into it in the last couple of years as well. Can't help it. It's, I wouldn't call it a guilty pleasure, but some of it's, it's so addictive. It's so good. It's so do, much fun. Do you know what? I, I don't really listen to it myself. Self, but like some of the stuff Sam showing me is really cool and I'll, well we've all been really into uh, Reckless Love's new album Turbo Rider which is like the combination of synthwave and like well I, I guess like hair metal and that's oh. that's a fucking sick record. I'm going to have to listen to that because I haven't listened to Reckless Love since the debut album I didn't even know there was still around. Yeah 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 I think I think I listened to it briefly and I, I wasn't aware they'd gone down that route slightly so went up for that. It's- it's really cool. Like the the last album they put out before that, I found pretty disappointing, to be honest. And like then they they took like seven years before this album. So I was like, I thought like creatively they'd be finished, to be honest. And then this is like their best album for me. I was shocked, but it's it's fucking killer. Yeah. Well, even the artwork, it's very in a very synth way. That's yeah. I, I I'll um, really give that a listen because I love the debut album. It was. It came kind of out of nowhere, and it's 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 full of great, great songs. So Synthwave yeah, gigs, gigs are great because you just got such a great mix of people. There's so many so many metalheads and goths and old schoolers. It's because it, it is like an alternative music to to mm. a lot of metal crowd um, because it's you know it's got its retro stylings as well. It's um, yeah, no, it's uh, they're always they're always great fun. Yeah, for those of us that are you know firmly digging ourselves into the hold is the 40s it's um it's a bit of a throwback to to our youth i'd rather listen to that than bloody trap music i'm sorry i've been listening to it again this week i can't get my head around it i'm sorry it's just pants have you come across trap metal um i've heard of it but i certainly wouldn't listen to it (laughs) i mean i i I, a lot a lot of my students listen to trap so i've been like trying to like you know trying to uh, at least try and understand it and i'm just i I just don't get it. Like I, I'm, I, I can kind of understand like pop music and like why someone like might like like might like Harry Styles, but like this, I'm like I don't it just doesn't. It's nah. just worrying that Earache Records have just signed a a, a, a trap metal artist, Bad Lad or, or something. 
when you see a label that's that important to the metal scene and they're signing acts like that, it feels like a, a bit of an act of desperation. Yeah. But I suppose I suppose it's just moving with the times, isn't it? It's we, we can't help the fact that you know people would always look for something different. I mean, new metal was probably the same when that came along. When we first heard that because we were all kind of mid-teens when new metal came along, and it's like, what the fuck is this? And yet it exploded into something massive. They 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 they, they were dangerous times, Bones. They they you know, yeah. really, like, you know, are the, the the stories, the the horror stories that we like. You know, Monday night at the at the students' union, Bon Jovi comes on because you know that's that apparently that's metal, and um you know with all these new metal fans with their fucking hoodies and stuff, poncing around going, oh my god, that's a sick pit, and you're like, what the fuck are you on about? You went at Ozfest '98. Oh, that's another one. Ozfest. Fuck 98. off. If it's not Mount Etna, it's fucking Ozfest '98. Good gig. <laughs> um. So, like, when you know, when you're you're playing, when you're playing your shows and stuff like that, and you're talking to people and 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 all that kind of thing. Um. What What, what do you think it is that's sort of driving this 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 need for? old school heavy metal now and why guys like yourselves you know you're picking up so quickly and all the other bands that are around what do you think is why why are people sort of latching onto it so much now you know what i think it's just a case of timing where a lot of people my age grew up at a time where like it's like you guys were saying with new metal for us going to secondary school and stuff it was emo yeah. and like being like what the fuck is this like <laughs> And I, I remember, like, when I first got into, like, rock and roll and heavy metal and stuff, my mum used to read Krang in the 80s, and she was like, oh, I'll get you Krang. And, like, I remember reading it, being like, where the fuck's all the rock bands, dude? Like, and I think people my age have all grown up now to the point where they can all come together and be like, yeah, there are so many other people that are just like, what the fuck? Like, where's all this cool shit? And it has turned into, like, a global scene. It's almost like emo's a bit of a forgotten word now. It was it was everywhere for a while. I remember it. We all remember it. But it's it's almost like it's it's disappeared. And you know, Ant is a is a passing fan of some of that kind of thing. But it's, it's with a grimace on his face. But you know, don't deny it. Some some of it, you know, some of it crosses your path. There's, but, there's a time. There's a time and a place. This, this isn't it. <laughs> But it, it just makes me laugh that, that like my chemical romance has just made a return and, and everyone's hailing it like it's it's like it's it's the return of of the prodigal son kind of thing. It's you know, because they, they haven't they haven't played shows for I don't know nine or ten years or whatever it is, but you know my chemical But do you know what I mean? It's it, people are obviously reminiscing those times when they when they were young and angry and walked around everywhere with a black umbrella. <laughs> remember, do you remember, sorry, do you remember that time we were at a Weatherspoons and they, they group of goths walked in and it was it was a bank holiday and the beer garden was all sunny and there was only one bit of shade and they picked up the table and moved it under the it trees. Shade, yeah. And it just like what you know, it's like and we we were there, we were metalled up, we had like our patch jacket on you know, denim jackets on and the bandanas and all the fucking jewellery and the wallet chains and stuff. And, like, they're just like, we're just like, oh, could you be any more, like, you know, gratuitous, gratuitously stereotypical? 
And even everyone was just looking around just going, I mean, Tregenza used to have a T-shirt that just said, cheer up goth, didn't you? Cheer up goth, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, weren't, they, weren't, they weren't goth, they're pseudo goths, weren't they? They weren't goth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just... They've never listened to Sisters of Mercy. <laughs> I remember hearing on the radio once, I think it was on Radio 2 or something years ago, there was a programme about, about golf. And they, and they said basically that these emo kids are like the kids that aren't cool enough to be golf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's so... Oh, I look back at it now and you just think, fucking hell, it was ridiculous, wasn't it? It was... I've heard but, this song a while, a few times this week. For, I just want to clarify something. Would you say Lacuna Coil are emo? No, they're a goth band. Goth, right, okay. Sorry, go on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm glad to clear that up for you. 15 15 to 20 20 years ago, wasn't it? You got this period. I kind of refer to it once as MySpace metal because you had all this emo, post-hardcore, sort of pop-punk. and It was all just, you know, they were using MySpace really well. And... um, I suppose, you know, for, for younger people, possibly your age, Bones, um, that was, you know, a huge deal. Even if you were into the music, that sort of form of getting music out there was was a... Yeah, I'm, I'm just just old enough to be one of the people that did use MySpace for music, like, when I was, like, an early teenager. Um, and then Facebook killed it off, like, probably a year or two later. Yeah. But, yeah, I do remember that a little bit. And having to fucking code the the page and everything, and yeah. being like fourteen, like what the fuck is this? <laughs> but yeah, it, it got us one gig, so that that was cool. <laughs> we we can all sit here and, and we can complain about it, and we can sort of hark back to the days of tape trade and all that kind of thing. But our man Padre here is um, has, has has long struggled with music beyond nineteen ninety one. So <laughs> uh, and but. <laughs> The fact, that, the fact that you can just go on the internet now and you can go on YouTube, Spotify and Apple Music and you can just listen to one band and then it'll be recommended somebody else and somebody else and somebody else and you can't knock the benefits there are in that, you know, because you can, you just decide on your music. 100%. I mean, it's, I, I, I just don't know where to start. I mean, it's just the constant attacks. I mean, it's like, you know, it's not like I'm listening to shit music. No, you know? it's, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like a fine line. You have a vintage, don't you? You know, like I, I am, I am definitely a connoisseur of the 1986 vintage. Although, oh, I'm literally, years. like 1986 and music cutting off at like 91. Like, yeah, I, I totally agree with. Thank you, thank you. He can yeah. come back. Well, well, no, 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 let's be fair. Just before he turned up, Bones, we were talking about Faith No More doing Angel Dust and how 1992 was a great year. So we, we've, you know, we've got to give it some leeway. And I. I you know, Joey will say '94 is probably my favourite year for music, um, not only metal but just rock across the board. Um, so you, you've always got those years that are just a bit special, but certainly '86 is one. '86, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing bad came out in '86. <laughs> no, no, it didn't. It really didn't. But then at the time, that that might not be the case. I mean, people gave Slayer a hard time for South of Heaven, didn't they? Because it was too slow. So. At the time, but we look back on it now. South Heaven's my favourite Slayer. It's like like people and the band themselves like criminally underrate somewhere in time. But that's my favourite Maiden. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, but I'll let Ant take that one because yeah, he's he's a fanboy of that as well. Yeah, we would. I mean, my my favourite Seventh Son. But we were talking about album openers a few weeks ago. 
And I actually said the court summer in time is in my top five just because it's it's just uh, ridiculous. I think for me, like objectively, Seventh Son is a better record. I just prefer Somewhere in Time. I just there's the whole vibe of it, but like it, yeah, it has an accessibility. Yeah, no, it has an accessibility definitely that that, that stands out from the rest of the Maiden albums. Uh, they, they try something different, and it's still it's still bad, even though it sounds very different to. Mm -hmm. other stuff. Yeah, I, I bought like the uh, the guitar amp that Adrian and Dave used on the Somewhere in Time record just because it was on that record. And it was funny because like, obviously I play Galleon Kruger bass amp, which are like they're not known for making anything other than bass amps. And so when I found out, I was like, what fucking guitar? Uh, sorry, what amp are they using on the on the Somewhere in Time record? Looked it up. And I was like, oh shit! Of course, it's a Galleon Kruger. Like they're just phenomenal, but like the the whole tone and, and vibe of all of the instruments and Bruce's voice and the the topics of the songs and everything on that album are just it's just something quite special. Yeah, they they, they were a bit. I love the fact that it was coming after Power Slave when it was you know they were they were massive on Power Slave and then with Somewhere in Time they went back to playing a few smaller venues and it was a bit more you know, it was a bit more sort of classic made and and. At the end of the day, it's got wasted years on it, which is it's, it's my favourite mate. So I, it's, I just don't think they ever came close to that. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you this summer in time. Something to ponder, because obviously, like you say, they did they did Power Slave and then the the, uh, the live after death period. If they hadn't have gone down that route, the synthy stuff had maybe gone gone more down the I suppose the route they went with no prayer for the dying. They'd have done that four years earlier. What what would their career have been like? Shorter. We we look back on No Prayer from the Dying and Fear of the Dark as you know post Adrian Smith and when everything was starting to go downhill, wasn't it? So the the thing for me is oh, I think Adrian's like one of my well pre probably my favourite songwriter in Maiden. Yeah. But Fear of the Dark is one of my favourite Maiden records, which I know is like a an alternative point of view, but like I actually love that record. There's underrated songs on, on both No Prayer for the Dying and Fear of the Dark. I think a lot of it, what let down was the production and that as well. It doesn't sound like, you know, like how we remember Maiden to sound. It's done I think, Yeah, like with Fear of the Dark, that's that's still Martin Birch and that sounds like proper Maiden, yeah. but No Prayer is, because it was recorded at, like in Steve's barn or something, yeah. which obviously like Steve Harris's barn's got millions of pounds worth of equipment, but it's still a barn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can only polish a turd so much, can't you? You know, so, um, but everything, everything goes, everything happens for a reason, I suppose. And you know, I, I never got the chance to see Maiden when I was a teenager. It was the plays days, and I wasn't all that bothered. And then he he came back at the right sort of time, and Adrian Smith coming back as well. And we saw him at Earl's Court in two thousand, and it was, um, you know, it was uh, it was an amazing experience. I never thought I'd sort of see it happen. So. What do you think of Senjutsu or whatever it's fucking called? Whatever the right pronunciation uh, is. I'm, I'm actually not a fan. There's So before that, there was only one Iron Maiden record that I just flat out didn't like, which was um, A Matter of Life and Death. Oh, really? Which, again, is a pretty popular album. So I, I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, 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 the, I'm, the, the second is one now is... Senjutsu, I don't like that record, man. And that's coming from someone that thought that the Book of Souls was a masterpiece as well. 
So, and I know people compare them, but the, oh no, it's not for me. This this is a topic because Joey Joey swears by a matter of life and death, um, yeah. and couldn't stand the final frontier. And for me, as much as I, I like both, I much prefer the final frontier for some reason. I I, I just I, I much prefer the final frontier. I mean, a matter of life and death. It's like I want Maiden when they're fucking fast and it's you know galloping and, and it's yeah. soaring and everything. And a matter of life and death. Every song is like. You got the intro for like, well, not you know, pretty much every song. Yeah. But it, it just it trudges along through the whole album, and they may be great songs. Don't get me wrong, like it's Maiden, but it's not for me. No, I I, I see that, but yeah, I'll, I'll stand. I'll always stand by it. Always, <laughs> I, I love it. I think I, I, I don't know. At the time, I was going through a power metal phase, and I was I was really into bands like Iced Earth and that. So I think that sort of sound. Maybe just resonated with me at the time. It's not really it's not something I'm I listen to now. I must admit. That's that's the great thing though about Maiden is that like you can have a group of like you know you take pretty much any other band and you take a group of fans and like you know most of them are going to have the same favorite album. Whereas with yeah. Maiden fans, everyone's got different favorite. Yeah, true. Which you can't say for a lot of bands, and it's an incredible feat to achieve, really. I do remember at the time, my I had a housemate who was a an old school Iron Maiden fan as well, and I think he. Uh, approached me just after he bought his copy to say, right, let's play uh, Spot the Shit I Made and track based on the song title, Old Lord of Light. <laughs> yeah, see, that's that's the worst song on that album, so... There you go. <laughs> that's, that's, for me, that's the one weak point. It's the one song I didn't like, so, you know. I think, for me, the only two Maiden albums that I truly do really, really enjoy post-reunion, or whatever you want to call it, is Brave New World. And Book of Souls, Brave New World is phenomenal. And I think Book of Souls is a really good album as well. That was, that was the problem that I had with Senjutsu, is it feels like Book of Souls and all the songs that like didn't make it onto that record. And also like Death of the Celts, it, it's like, it's just a Klansman, dude. Like you, you've done it already. <laughs> <laughs> like I was laying there listening to it the first time I had the album, getting ready to go, freedom! And, oh, it just didn't come. <laughs> I don't know why, but that hasn't clicked with me. That's, 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 that's a good point. I think I think in the space of three minutes, you've ruined the whole album for me. So, <laughs> but, uh, but um, I think Stratego is a really great track, though. To be fair, I, I really do like that song. It kind of sounds like the Summer in Time Seventh Sun era, which is that's, that's the one song on the album that's a bit quicker as well, isn't it? It's got a bit more of a pace to it. So it's like one of, one of my friends said: if you take the last three minutes of. Uh, Oh, what's it called? There's a song on that record. Begins with a P. It's not the prophecy. That's on Seventh Son. Yeah. The parchment. The parchment. Yeah. It's like if you pick the last three minutes of that track, that's a fucking great maiden song. You just need don't need like the other seven or eight minutes. Yeah. And I, don't get me wrong, I like long stuff if you fill the time well. But like a chorus repeating sixteen times is is not prog. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point. They they do have, they have definitely gone down that that route of just, I suppose, almost long songs for the sake of it. But but then Book of Souls had an eighteen minute fucking song on it. Yeah, but Empire of the Clouds is is great. Like okay, there's there's parts that may be just a little bit o- overdone, like in terms of timing, like the length of them. But like it's a fucking cool song. Like everything lines up well, and like the last two minutes are so epic. That the build-up's kind of like it's worth it for me anyway. I think I've only listened to that once. Shame on me, really. I but. think f- for me it was like 
when I when I really really got into metal when I was like 20 21 or something I was I was working night shifts at this really shit job but it gave me time to listen to loads of new music at night and that was when I was like right I'm gonna listen to every Iron Maiden album and then that's how I got into like bands like Halloween and stuff as well and then loads of like smaller bands through there but if if I had an hour left of a shift it was like I've either got an hour left or I've got three Empire of the Clouds <laughs> which which is more entertaining fucking hell um, <laughs> no, I see you're wearing a Bathory t-shirt so are you a fan of, of, the, of the heavier stuff and the more extreme stuff and black metal I, I, I am to an extent like I'm a bigger fan of Bathory than probably any other more extreme metal band mm. I can just relate to, to Cawthorn's music more than you know say like mayhem or yeah. something um i like a bit of dark throne as well but the the thing with black metal that i like is is the atmosphere of it and it, it's i like how brutal it is of course but like a lot of especially dark throne stuff is really like beautiful like as as sort of chilling and and things as it is like it's yeah it, it's like it's very artistic yeah, I, yeah I, I can appreciate the atmospherics when it comes to black metal. I, I think I'm not a huge black metal fan. A lot of it is it's just fucking noise. It, but, you have to you have to do something for sure. Yeah. If it's like you can do something and be like, okay, like I get it. If it's someone just screaming into a mic over like, you know, yeah. then no, I don't I don't see the point of stuff like that. That's why I love Emperor because it, it's just got that sort of. That, that majesty, that sort of grandiose kind of yeah, thing. Exactly, exactly. I mean, for me with Baffrey, like, I like, obviously, the debut. And I'm really into the the Viking stuff as well. Like, the the proper true black metal stuff. Like, they're still great records, but I tend to go more for, like, the the speed metal, of whatever you want to call it, of the first record. And then I'm, I'm really into, like, Bloodfire Death and, and albums like that. We were talking when we were when we did the Swedish episode, and we, we kind of came to the conclusion that that on on the, the Swedish scene into the nineties that that it was it was kind of like a blend of of, of Bathory started all in sort of eighty three eighty four, and then the the, the the kind of pop influence that most Swedish metal bands have. Lois Greta talked quite a lot about ABBA even, and yeah, I love ABBA. <laughs> blend of the two things, you know. Look, who who doesn't? You can't you you can't deny that that. That kind of, that pop music is they're like the Beatles of pop music. Like the, the songwriting is fucking insane. How could like two people write that many songs? Yeah. Yeah. You can't deny. I mean, when we were young, we would have said it sucked, but now that we've sort of grown up a little bit and you can have an appreciation for it. Have you heard uh, the track Eagle by ABBA? No. That's a... like listen to that, dude. It sounds like fucking Dio. <laughs> like it's like genuinely, that's a metal track, honestly. It's it's proper power metal. We learn, we learn, we're learning a lot tonight, I have to say. This is <laughs> yeah, honestly, if you if you check out anything from tonight, listen to Eagle by ABBA oh, and just that imagine that's the Dio song. Well, I'm going to, um, yeah, when I get off this, <laughs> we're going to come out here. What have you been listening to this week? ABBA. <laughs> ABBA, <laughs> and the ABBA in the Dio era. What other... Um... Like bands or so albums or songs, do you, do you say that are underrated, Bones? Uh, well, you're talking about the Swedish scene. I don't know if you guys know a band called Hardcore Superstar. Uh, they've been Hardcore going Superstar, since, yeah. 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 They've been going since about like 90, 96, 97. Yeah. And they're fucking incredible. 
Like they, I would literally go as far as to say that hearing their self-titled record from 2005 completely changed my life, my approach to music. Like that album is, it's the closest anyone's come to doing something like Appetite for Destruction. Like it's a fucking incredible album. And something really cool about them is everything they put out, it sounds like them, but it's always something slightly different. Yeah. which is so hard to achieve when you're on your, like, what, 10th, 11th, 12th album or something, like, and they still manage to do it and write great songs. So I think they're super underrated band. Um, Hanoi Rocks, if anyone knows them, like, they're yeah. the Finnish band, should have been absolutely massive. Yeah. Michael Monroe is one of the greatest frontmen ever. Um, Michael Monroe's so solo album a couple of years ago it was one of my albums of the year. I fucking loved it. Yeah, he's, he's great. great. He's great. Like, and then there's there's so much metal as well, like obviously old school stuff. I love the band Demon. The first two albums are as good as anyone. And yeah, like there's there's so many bands like that. Um, and yeah, like all sorts of stuff, really. Most of the stuff I listen to, I think, should be bigger. Yeah, it's almost like it's it's right place, right time. I mean, talk about hardcore superstar. They kind of came out of that Swedish scene where you had like backyard babies in your helicopters and. Yeah. All that—that that was, you know, I, I remember those bands quite fondly. Backyard Babies, especially. I think, and you were a fan as well. And, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, really, really did like them. I, I think I mentioned in the last pod, I ended up seeing them for free at uh, basically a small pub venue in Kings Cross for Water Rats. Um, back yeah. in '98, yeah, just totally accidentally, and they were they were stunning. Um, yeah, we were sort of that that sort of age, like sort of 18 years old, when those bands were sort of kicking about for the first time so it was but I think there was a lot a lot of stuff like that and it was just you know we talk we as much as we talk about new metal being the sort of thing of that era there was just so much going on you just couldn't really keep up with a lot of it and I, I think I, like, I yeah like so the, the sleaze scene from Scandinavia between about 2005 and 2000 and sort of 11 12 by the end of it it felt like everyone was in on it like everyone knew about like reckless love and crash diet and, and bands like that yeah yeah, yeah. The, like I said before, the the Reckless Love debut album stood out for me. There was just just so many great, proper catch, almost pop songs on that album, and yeah, I loved it. So I'm looking forward to listening to the most recent one after what you've said. It's um, well, with, yeah, with it's, it's really cool. pop metal, pop metal, pop metal. Yeah, and so you know, pop metal is a genre which includes Rat and Def Leppard. It's like right, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But pop metal's fine. It's, it's just when you throw the word post in front of it, that's that's when things become a problem. Post in front or core at the end. Yeah, yeah, one or the other. Yeah. So I suppose I suppose we we could we could start a movement called post new wave of British heavy metal and and, and you know <laughs> and ruin it. And just, yeah, completely fucking ruin it. So you know, um, no, just before we go. Um, I'll give you give you a minute so just to just to plug everything that's going on. So your tour dates go again and just make, so everyone's got an opportunity to come and see you and you know and and, and give you the chance to sort of plug your wares. Sure. We've got listeners yeah, all around so the world now, so the forum's yours. Killer. So yeah, Tail Gunner, three singles out at the moment. New EP and new single, June 19th, Crash Dive. It's four-track EP. We've got a music video shot in Liverpool from the sold-out show there on the last tour. There's footage from that as the music video. Uh, the new Watton Full Albums channel on YouTube are going to host the EP online, which is going to be sick. 
Uh, and then we're on the road again in the UK, coming to Edinburgh, Glasgow, Wildfire Festival, Liverpool, Sheffield, Manchester, Birmingham, London and Southampton. Tickets are a fiver, so everyone can get in cheaply and then spend all the money on beer. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to getting back on the road. It's going to be great fun. And anybody in London's got no fucking excuse because the show at the Dev is free. So exactly, it's yeah, free free show for the city with the most expensive booze. There you go. Exactly, exactly. You can buy three quarters of a pint with that five quid. So make the most of it. <laughs> you know. So um, when, when are you uh, when are you uh, when are you expecting to get in outside of the UK? Maybe next year. Uh, next next year, probably like springtime. See what we can work out with a few like different promoters and booking agents and things. See what we can get on festival wise. That's definitely the the main agenda for after the album's out. Okay. I suppose, I suppose it's tough, isn't it, when you got full time jobs to work around and things like it's just getting up and disappearing into Europe for a few weeks. Not that easy, is it? Yeah, I mean, like originally we were we were trying to go to Europe in May of this year after the UK tour, which we had two different tours that. We were trying uh, to make it work. Um, in the end, they didn't for, for different reasons. But we wanted to get there as soon as possible. Do you know what I mean? It's such an important thing. Like, you can't just tour the UK. Just out of interest, have you had any um, positive reaction from Japan yet? <laughs> yeah, we, we have, funnily enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're, uh, we're in contact with people that want to release the record, basically. That's, that's as far as, you know, I'll say before we've actually done anything. That's cool because Japan is one of those scenes where before you know it, you could be massive without without even putting That's the thing, isn't it? It's like if you're gonna have a career and if you really like do want to have a career, you have to be big in Japan. Because if you're gonna be big anywhere, then you will be big in Japan. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. So, no, it's yeah, it's very cool. They're they're really cool, uh, cool label and stuff. So we'll see how that goes. I hope that happens with that. That would be, you know, yeah, would, thanks, you know, playing shows over there would be would be a massive experience, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah, I was I was sat last night on uh, on Google. You know, you can do street view and things, and like looking at some of the the metal venues and stuff. Like, shit, what does stuff actually look like over there? You know, I, I used like, to go, when, I, when I lived in uh, when I lived in South Korea, I used to go to a um a metal pub in Seoul called and it's best name for a metal bar ever. Just called priest or Sabbath? Question mark. <laughs> that was the name of the bar, and it was fantastic. And what well, what you do is you go in, and um, they, they don't have a jukebox. They just have a wall of vinyl and a stack of post-it notes and a pen. And you just write down what you want, and you give it to them, and they'll get it down off the shelf and play it for you. And That's it, fun. It's fuck. And I went there the day Dio died. <laughs> and there were loads of like old Korean guys wearing like rainbow t shirts who had drank way too much and they were getting into fist fights. <laughs> oh, that's I, I mean, I guess you guys must have been to the crowbar at some point. Yeah, we oh, yeah. Crowbar. Yeah. 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 When, when, we, when we, first we opened, we used to go in there before gigs, the story and that, and it was um a happy hour till seven o'clock and you could get a can of red stripe for a quid kind of thing. It was Yeah. Yeah. Like... I, I went I went to the Astoria once to see Airborne. I, I was like 13. Jesus. But I didn't go into Crowbar until like probably what 2017 or something. And for a few years and then the pandemic happened. But yeah, I had some 
definitely has some nights in there. <laughs> yeah, it's such a shame that they haven't been able to reopen. It's a shame that the Astoria's gone. We've seen some amazing shows. The, Astoria, we, our, our, our routine was we went to the Ben, uh, not Ben Crouch, no, Ben Crouch was another one, wasn't it? The Intrepid Fox. Yeah, the Intrepid Fox. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is now a um, good bird, oh, GBK or something like that. Um, it was going to get knocked down for Crossrail, but they, yeah, something shady. But so, uh, yeah. Intrepid Fox and then the Astoria usually for a gig. We yeah, so many gigs and some of the stuff we've seen over the years, Slayer, Megadeth, Emperor. We, um, we, we, I mean, the only time I saw I went to the Astoria was I saw um we me and Trigenza saw Megadeth there in 2002. Yeah. And that they opened up with the first four, no, five tracks of Peace Cell back yeah. to Fucking sick. And that was just like, oh my god, because you know, you expect them to play Peace Cells. And you, you maybe you'll get Wake Up Dead. But when they played The Conjuring and Devil's Island and Good Morning Black Friday, I was like, fuck me. This is <laughs> like, that's fucking awesome. And Lemmy was there. He was in the pit. Oh, fucking hell, dude. <laughs> that's, that's it's it. fascinating to hear this because we're, we're, you know, we're not the generation that was there in the 80s and, and the 90s and going to the gigs. You know, we, I remember when we went to see, Maiden in 2000 and we got talking to some old chap who said, oh, I saw Slayer in the uh, in the South of Heaven tour and it was just like oh you know like that yeah we yeah. were too young for that stuff but now we're sort of looking at what we did which you know it was, it was all good fun at the time and if we're thinking you know we lucked out we probably had some you know some great things which have been lost lost forever in terms of cultural cultural metal heritage um and well, we, we, had, we had venues on around now and that's, that's yeah as well as I think the thing is as well for like probably f like your generation and down to like people my age and things as well is like we will be the last people that got to see all of these bands when they were still like shit fucking hot and still around yeah. like there's you know in 10 years like i, I don't know we covered, we covered I feel, it i feel very lucky that i could still go and see like maiden and acdc yeah. and guns and stuff and some of those bands now it's like you go and see them because it's them but like 10 15 years ago they were fucking powerful and like yeah. at least at least we've all got to see that with so many of these great bands yeah we 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 did a whole whole podcast on it a couple of weeks ago you know what happens when all these bands are fucked off and we left what what are we left with you know and we're of the opinion change. collectively we're of the opinion i don't know if you agree with this bones is that once the really big bands like Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Maiden, those kind of bands, the bands that if you put them on top of a bill, uh, like Download or Reading or mm. someone like that, single-handedly will sell you 75, 80,000 tickets. Once mm. they're gone, is that going to make it that places like Download will look more like it will be a collection of smaller stages rather than one big headline act? And would, would that actually be better? Than having like one super band play and then an undercard where you could maybe have five stages and you just go off and see I mean, the, the thing for me with download is they'll make it work like i i don't go to download just because there's not enough bands i like on a lineup to justify it i'll just go see them when they're touring but there's plenty of bands the sort of which i'm not really into that that download will be able to go in and fill the space of like the mega headliner i think the the question really is is what it's gonna mean for just for metalheads like you can't go see Maiden I mean you can't go see Motorhead anymore but like 
once those bands are gone, is is there ever going to be another metal band that will go and play like an arena or a stadium when there's no Metallica or Maiden or anything? Will we actually get metal at that size? Will we see like metal albums top like the mainstream charts for like a week when these bands release albums? Or is it just going to fucking drop right down? Go back underground. And if it does... Fuck it, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, fuck it. It's, It's always been there, so... You know, it's been around since 1960, fucking whatever. So it's, it's still going to be around in. I was the thing is like I was, I was having this funny enough like you were going to have Olaf on. I was sort of having this conversation with him the other day about this sort of thing, and it's like, is it not? I think I guess they don't see it that way, but is it not the duty of bands like Priest and Maiden and Metallica and things to have on a band like Enforcer? Yeah, I mean, I know that like Maiden have done with Airborne a few times. Yeah, so far, but like. Why can't you know some of these bigger bands of this generation and this scene open for like a band like Priest and Aussie? Why can't you? Why can't you have like Enforcer tour with Megadeth or something? Yeah, Aussie. Yeah. Aussie took Metallica out in '86. Venom took them out in '84. They benefited from. I mean, if you in '86 to go out on on the road in a on an on an on an arena tour with Aussie in '86 in America, that was a massive deal for Metallica. Yeah, huge. Yeah, so the same thing needs to happen now. Then it's almost like passing the baton on, isn't it? It's it's odd. I, I I don't really understand why a lot of these older bands won't take younger bands out on the road with them. It's... I think I think maybe just speculate. I mean, they're not when Metallica do when a band like Metallica now do a world tour, do a European tour. They're not playing twenty or ten dates per country. They're playing two or three. Mm. And they're playing arenas and stadiums, or even what Metallica play Twickenham. I mean, it's they're, they're even playing stadiums. But um, for them to, I really for them to have any benefit, I think maybe a band, they have to take out a band on a, a longer tour, doing more smaller dates. But the problem is that because you know these guys are older now, they don't, don't want to be on the road for eighty months at a time. And yeah. they've got, and I read an article the other day that. Metallica are still having serious issues amongst themselves and they, they're not actually, they don't spend that much time around each other. Really. Well, they just literally, they meet up, they say, right, we're going to play this. They rehearse, they go on stage and then they go their separate ways again. So that's bound to happen when you've been living in each other's pockets for so yeah. long, you're going to fall out. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 it's like I said, it's, it's bound to happen. But yeah, Bones, you're right. They, they should be taking out these these younger, hungry bands that that, you know, Exposure to eighty thousand people every night. You, you you think, know, just, just, just as fans of the genre themselves, yeah, like, and, and having had that opportunity to do that <laughs> themselves, like it's it's not an entitled thing. If you're not a good band, you shouldn't go out with a big band just because you play right. the same type of music. But like, there are great fucking bands around in the world that should get these opportunities yeah. if we're gonna try and build up heavy metal into that level again in the future. I think the thing for me is that when you've got like Mustaine, he's, he's actually, they're not just going on tour now, he's putting together his own touring, like there was Gigantor, and now there's like the, the, the world's best metal tour in America of Lamb and God. He's, he's actually putting together his own tours. So he's actually in a very good position where he can go, right, I want five or six smaller bands on that bill, and then maybe two bigger acts. Well, it's like, yeah, with, with, Dave actually like there was a Megadeth Spotify playlist at some point like a year ago or something and he put the band Haunt in it from Fresno I think they're from like a New Watton band and it's like and, and Visigoth as well actually who are another one they're they're an American band and it's like 
Maybe Dave Mustaine picks Megadeth's Spotify playlist. Maybe he doesn't. But if they're in there, there must be a level of awareness. Yeah. And like, why not, dude? Like, I know they're not going to sell as many tickets as if you tour with Creator or something, you know? But fuck, like, if, if you love this, this style of music, then why wouldn't you want to, you know? Then have them as an opener. If, if it's about ticket sales, then bring them in. Yeah. 20 minutes as an opener, you know? You don't need to have... Trivium or Hatebreed is an opener, bring on Horn or Ram or fucking, like you said, Visigoth, bands like that. that yeah. You know, why, why the fuck not? It's just giving them an opportunity, you know? Which I'm sure if you were given that kind of opportunity, you'd bite their hand off, wouldn't you? Any band. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, can, I, can I just ask you a question? Okay, this is, this is a question. This is from my wife, who's actually out at the minute. Uh, um, she wants. She's actually been wanting me to ask this for her to a metal band. She's a punk fan. She's not necessarily into metal. Uh, she was like, "Why? Why do? You, why do some bands feel the need to scream? Generally, they can sing quite well, and you need excellent control to scream. Also, it feels like one note because there's no build up of emotion. What do you feel about that, Bones? As, as being in a band and about screaming in metal, do you think it's necessary?" Uh, I mean, a lot of like 99% of the stuff I listen to is clean vocals. And with the black metal that I listen to, like with Bathory, for example, you can like you can kind of tell what they're saying a lot of the time. If it's if it's still got diction and it's got emotion and purpose, then, yeah, like it's worth it. But I, I have to agree, like I'm not really that into death metal and a lot of stuff with like guttural vocals. So yeah, to an extent, I, I kind of agree. There you go. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. And that, that, that pretty much sums it all literally, up. You've literally just ruined my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm probably yeah, more, I, I, more I, into punk in than I am into like deathcore or something. In all seriousness, like these guys take the piss out of me for not listening to anything past like 91, 94. That's actually one of the reasons why I, I don't necessarily like the guttural. Yeah. I mean, and like, you know, for example, I don't think that Dave Mustaine's got a great voice. He's got a great voice for Megadeth. Yeah. But, you know, he sings, he doesn't scream. He, the, he I mean, ears, but, you know. for me, like, I love loads of aggressive vocals. Like, listen to like Agent Steel or something. Like, that's fucking like brutal, but. I guess I just prefer screaming when it's like the insane highs than just the, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I can enjoy an, an aggressive and kind of like, I'm a huge King Diamond fan, you know? So I, I get what it's like to have music that you love that a lot of people are like, what the fuck are the vocals? But yeah, I guess I just prefer the high stuff to like, you know. And if, if um, before you go, if you if you could um if, if you would like us to add any bands to a playlist to tag on the on the on the release, would you like us to put any particular bands on that you would like to recommend to people, or any any bands that you feel would like you know do with a shout out or anything like that? Yeah, put uh, put some big guns, put Maiden and, and Priest and Motorhead, and like for smaller and newer bands, Enforcer, Visigoth. Riot City from Canada, Haunt, and uh, Hardcore Superstar as well. Maybe something from Reckless Love's new album. Yeah, I'll drop both of those in. Definitely. Definitely. Look, mate, um, right. 
thanks for your um for your time tonight. It's um yeah, no worries, pleasure. Thank you. And, um, it, it's been awesome, and and we'll um we'll we'll put all the links and everything on the uh, on the the Spotify bio and whatnot, so people can go and check out the band all across social media, all that kind of shit. So make sure you check out Togo and check them out on tour wherever you are in the UK. Um, especially those of you in London, you've got no fucking excuse. It's free. So we will see you there. But yeah, Bones, thank you very much for your time. It's been, yeah, uh, it's, it's been if you fun. end up in Italy, let me know. <laughs> okay. Well, there, there's a there's a possibility our guitarist Zach is from Italy. So is not, where you, not where you fucking live. Like, like, Where's he from? <laughs> uh, Lake Garda, I think it's called. Well, it's North, yeah. it's northern posh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Dorothy. We'll um we'll see you in London in a few weeks. Yes, see you at the dev. Yeah, come say hello. Shadows of War by Tail Gunner. Um, yeah, if you want to hear more, check them out across social media and so on. I'll put all the links in the uh, in the Spotify bio, um, and uh, we'll we'll add a couple of songs to this week's playlist as well. So go and check that out. Um, thanks to Bones for joining us this week. Uh, next week on the podcast, we're just going to have a big old fucking rant for an hour or so. So no doubt, um, Padre would have plenty to say. So thanks for listening. Uh, we'll catch you next week.